0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller,
1: Texas. I want to welcome you to this new series entitled Dream House, where we're going to talk about an area of our lives that impact us all so deeply. And many times it's an overlooked area. This idea of Dream House is that there's this exterior or there's this this fantasy-type place out there that looks really good. But really, the truth is, according to Scripture, a dream house is not about a physical place necessarily, but it's about an atmosphere. It's about what's happening inside the walls and behind all of the exterior. So I want to talk to us about family, about relationships. Uh, If you're single, we're going to hit on that as well. My wife's going to join me. Uh, Jimmy Evans, who speaks nationally uh, in marriage, is going to join us in this series. And so we're going to try to equip you in a very important part of your life over the next few weeks. And so I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 here in this first week. And we're going to start in verse 23. I'm going to get there in just a minute. Genesis 2, 23. I'm going to put the scriptures on the screen. I have some notes there for you as well. And uh, I just want to celebrate, I always love to, to celebrate you, I'm so honored to be your pastor, I love to take time uh, every week just to talk about the cool things that God's doing and what I love about pastoring this church is it's not just a mob of people but it's a group of people who see a next step that God has for us and we take it together and you guys always respond. Whether it's even the fact that we're just a few weeks into celebrating our new building, that's all because of people taking steps and saying that the lives of others matter. And so uh, even as we came into the last few weeks, we asked you to be informed about the steps that we were taking. We asked you to be involved. And I want to say how excited I am not just about the crowds of people we've had the last few weeks, but several hundred of you that are now part of our dream team and you're serving others and you're helping others. It's just been amazing to see so many of you step in to really giving your life away to help others. It's just, it's just amazing. And then we ask you to be inviting and bring people, and so uh, you, you guys did that the last few weeks. Is just It's just been amazing. Easter uh, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we had one service, literally, where we had 283 people watching by video in the commons area. And, and more than just the crowds of people, here's what I get really excited about. We had so many people who made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. How many of you know that's a big deal? A lot of people following Jesus. And I love this. It wasn't just about just making a decision. We had 59 people who went and talked to one of our leaders and one of our pastors and received a Bible. And so uh, we're taking next steps. Always remember that here at Milestone. It's not just about the big days and the big moments, it's always about you taking your next step that God has for your lives. And so, uh, by the way, if you received Christ over the last couple of weeks or you're new to Milestone and you're feeling this urge to say, hey, what's my next step? Today, after our second service, we're going to have Discovery 101, and I want to meet you if you prayed to receive Christ or you're new, um, and we'll talk a little bit about you don't have to join the church uh, today, But you could come and hear a little bit more about the vision and values. And so uh, you'll hear this a lot if you're new to Milestone. Uh, we, we love people and, and Jesus loved crowds, but Jesus built on disciples. Jesus built on people who were just, you say, what does that mean to be a disciple? That seems intimidating. It just means you keep taking the next step that God has for you, no matter where you're at in your journey, okay? And so I'm encouraged by that and I'm excited for what God's doing in the life of our church. You know, this dream house concept, when you throw that out there, there's some of you, it's like, I wanna get a little better here. Others of you, there's, there's a lot of pain in this area. The first place I wanna start, I felt really strong about this going into this series. And, uh, and that is I wanna talk about the tension in our homes, we want a dream house, but why is it that it seems like the people that we love the most we tend to have so much conflict with? Why do we have conflict with our children? Why do we have tension in our relationship with our spouse? I met a guy last weekend. He said, I've been changed here. My life's been changed here. Am- amazing impact. And then he went on to say, but I, I come here and, and I feel the presence of God and I feel encouraged, but then my wife and I leave and we fight all afternoon. We have so many fights. We have so much tension. Jeff, is it supposed to be this way? And see, the fact is you have more tension in those relationships because they're the ones you care about. Those are the people that can really reject you. Those are the people that it matters what words they say to you. These relationships matter to us, but I find a lot of times it's an area of our life where we receive the least amount of help and the least amount of coaching. We just sort of stumble into this thing thinking, man, this is going to be a dream house. And quickly stuff starts falling apart and the fight is on. And so we're, we're like, help me. I, I, in fact, saw that this week. I took my youngest on a date and uh, she's a cheap date. She just wanted to go play at the tubes at Milestone and go get something at McDonald's. Some of you are like, are those tubes under certain hours? Well, if you're the pastor, you got a special key. You can come late at night. <laughs> so, so we came to the tubes, then we went to McDonald's to get those pancakes, night night pancakes. Y'all know what I'm saying? And so, it, 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 those pancakes are from the devil, you know. And uh, and so I had to go with her. You know, it's like, it's like what am I going to get at McDonald's? You know, and I, I go in thinking I think they have grilled salads now, and I end up with two quarter pounders. Come on, anybody living? <laughs> living what I'm living you know I mean it's just the way it is I, I sat her down and kind of got everything went back over I was waiting for my food right here in Keller McDonald's young guy hope he comes to church I, I invited him I, he didn't know who I was and I was just standing there and he said he, he just he just asked a question he said I have a question for you I said I said yeah he said what do you do for a living I said well I'm a motivational speaker I mean uh, <laughs> And he was interested in. It. I said, "Well, well, actually, I'm a pastor. I'm the pastor at Milestone Church. You may have heard about it. We're here in the community. Why don't you come?" Young guy, high school guy, probably 16, 17 years old. I said, "So why don't you come?" He says, no, I've, "I've never been to church. I don't have time for that." Younger generation, that in their mind, to really be who you're called to be, you don't really need that church, God, Bible stuff. That's the culture this guy's coming from right here. Dallas Fort Worth Bible Belt, right there. So he, so so I, I start talking to him a little bit about it. He goes, you know, so what, so what? Do you, he goes, I got a question. Really, what do you do as a pastor? I said, well, you play golf and just have lunch and just kind of hang out. He, he goes, no, seriously. I said, well, what what you do is you equip people. You equip people. He goes, what do you mean by that? I said, well. The fact is, I I just asked him a question. I said, are you in school? Yeah. I said, do you have a teacher? I said, why do you need a teacher? He said, well, I'm trying to get educated. So so you need someone to teach you calculus, someone to teach you history. So there's someone there helping to teach you. I said, do you play any sports? Yeah, soccer. Do you have a coach? Yeah, yeah, I have a soccer coach. I said, I'm going to give you something to think about you might not have ever thought about. Who's helping you learn how to be a husband? Who's helping you learn how to be a dad? You will be one of those one day. Who's helping you learn how to live out so many of these important things in your life? Who's helping you with all that? He said, I've never really thought about that. So so I just, I just backed up a little bit from him, just kind of waited. I'm still waiting on my food. You know, you can't just, you can't be too aggressive, you know. You gotta kind of just let it seed out there. He's kind of thinking about it a little bit, you know, he's just he's working through it. And so so I just I I, I leaned back in and, and I started talking to him again, and, and he said, he said, just 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 give me one thing. Just just give me one thing. Just just one little thing in there. Like if you're t- talking to a guy, "Very interesting this guy." Very interesting. He, you could tell he's a learner. He wants to know. And and so, so so he said, "Just just give me one thing that a preacher would say to a young guy." And I, and I thought for a minute, "You'll go to hell if you don't receive Jesus." No, I <laughs> I, I got to let it simmer. Maybe he'll come to church, you know. This really happened, you know. I said, "You know what?" You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me the environments you're putting yourself in, I'll show you what you're building. Why do we emphasize this series every year? Because this is an important area of our lives, and no matter where we're at in the journey, we all need a little more equipping, we need a little more help, We need a little bit of it to help us understand what God wants to do in our lives. And so I always love to just start out. And some of you are like, Jeff, we're going to Genesis. We're going right back to Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah, we are. Because I don't think in our world today, especially as I interact with the younger generation and even people at different phases of life, so many people have so much tension. Already this weekend, I've talked to people in crisis full of tension, planning to separate, planning to divorce, people that don't understand the creator God of the universe, what he originally designed for the marriage relationship and for the home. So I want to take us all the way back, Genesis 2.23, God's creating all this stuff, and the pinnacle of his creation is human beings. Because he's a relational God, he's created us to have relationship with us. And I want you to understand, too, what we're about to read was not just for the propagation of the species of human beings. Procreation was part of it, okay? Be fruitful and multiply, which our church really gets when you see how many baby dedications we have to have. Come on. But it's more than that. It's more than just multiplying the species. It's more than romance. It's more than the worldly concept of love. There's a bond there's a completion, there's a unifying understanding of how God builds this relationship called marriage. It says, it's not good that this man, Adam, is alone. And so it says this, the man said, this is now, look at the perspective, a spiritual perspective, a unifying perspective that only comes from God. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she will be taken or was taken out of a man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. By the way, this is covenantal language. Our world operates according to contractual agreements. God's kingdom works under a covenant, which is a supernatural union that God puts together. Says this, they will be united, or she will be united to his wife, he will be united. And they become one flesh and then it says they're so united they're so in harmony so in unity so a part of one another that there they are naked and they're unashamed there's no guilt there's no shame there's no pain there's no hurt there's no offense and they're they're there like like this is the dream house this is the pinnacle of creation this is every bit i mean they're living their best life they're fully unified and Jesus affirms this. There's a lot of people say, well, that's the Old Testament. No. A lot of dialogue today about this. No, Jesus in Matthew 19, he reaffirms these words and he says, that union, that desire of God, let no one come and separate it. So in all of its beauty, in all of its perfection, by the way, non-believers and believers I've seen people come and have weddings and all of the things around it. Everyone going into a wedding, going into a marriage, they have that picture, that dream house. We're going to be in unity. He's going to see me as flesh of his flesh. We're going to be unified. We're, we're going to walk this out in harmony. Everyone has that dream house picture. And so if you say, Jeff, if that's God's plan, and I know everyone may look at it, that's a little antiquated, that's a little old, I mean, is that, does that really work? If that's God's plan... And that's God's desire. Why do I need to spend a whole weekend talking about the tension and the problems and the challenges in our home? Why does Jesus need to say, let no one separate that? Well, it's because of the next verse in chapter 3, now the serpent. The enemy's desire for your marriage. The enemy's desire for your relationship with your children. The enemy's desire, by the way, single people, your friendships, you're learning this now. The cool thing about talking about marriage is it's so holistic, it impacts every area of your life. It impacts every area. But I'd like us to spend a little bit of time talking about why do we have so much tension? Why do we fight so much? Why can't we? Do we have to just get by? Do we just have to survive? Or can we really get along like God desired for us to? Can we really have that kind of unity and relationship in our home? Is that really possible? Well, I want to say over 20 years of helping people and talking about marriage and counseling people and helping people and walking this out, I I think there are some unique challenges today. There's still the old challenges. Now the serpent, (laughs) selfishness, all of that. But here's some things that I believe that I need to talk about just for a second because of the uniqueness of our culture today. The uniqueness of our culture today is we have so much information coming at us, so many ideas coming at us. Do you know the average person checks their phone 46 times a day? That's the average person. Everybody's doing this. What does this have to say to me? 100,000 words average, 32 gigabytes of data, information, 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 information. And that's not counting television and the internet and everything else. You say, Jeff, why do you say that? Well, Well, here's what happens. There's multiple ideas about this thing called marriage coming at us so fast. And the problem even is with the good ideas, here's another problem I find with a lot of people I feel like we should be better at this. I feel like I should know how to do this because see, we're an instant society and we believe do it yourself because we can fix our house with a YouTube video. We think we can fix our marriage with a little bit of here's five ways off of Facebook to have a better marriage. But it takes a lot more work than that. It takes a lot more coaching than that. It takes a lot more getting around people who have a good one than that. It takes a lot more diligence than that. So there's so much information coming our way. And with all of that information also brings a lot more options. Culturally, we used to not have so many options. You go, what do you mean by that? Well, our engagement with so many more people in so many more people's lives. Attorneys say today in divorce cases, 67% of the time, There is entered into the divorce case information retrieved from Facebook. So so see, I've got that connection with this global person. Again, I'm not against information. I'm not against sharing. I'm not against any of that. I'm not against social media. I'm on it, whatever. But I do think we need to be aware for a minute... We didn't used to have so much engagement and options and those options could lead us down to wrong paths if we don't have a biblical understanding of what God desires for our marriages. And so we have so much information, we have so many options, and we're so much more aware of someone else's situation. See, Jeff, why does it matter if we see their vacation and their pictures and their stuff and their lives? Well, because the more social media puts forth the perfect front, Here's how the enemy, now the serpent, begins to seed in your mind, they're happy. They're happy. We're not happy. They're living a great life. We're not living a great life. They're living something that I'm not living. And so I have maybe some other options. And here's where it brings us. It brings us to the place where we begin to say, I've already talked to two couples this weekend. And this is what they said. Maybe there's someone else out there that's my soulmate that will make me happy. The only problem is that's a mirage because you are going to take yourself into that next relationship. There's someone else out there. And then what do we quote? What do we see actors and actresses? What do we quote? The reason for separation, the reason for division, irreconcilable differences differences. Can I get another option where there's less differences? Can I get something else? And so we have all of that working against us and what it breeds in us is a jealousy and a envy. And then we start telling ourselves, it shouldn't be this hard. It just shouldn't be this hard. Okay. Now you're saying, okay, Jeff, now you know where we live. Yeah, I do. I'm a pastor. I know where we live. And those lies from the enemy are bringing an all-out assault on the marriage relationship. All-out assault. And you say, so, so what do we do about it? Well, the first thing we need to realize, I'm going I'm to just give you a few basic points. I want to give you some basic help. And I believe it can help all of us no matter where we're at. If there's a little bit of tension or a whole lot of tension, how do we get past some of this tension? I always want you to leave with a little bit of help, not just some Bible verses and us understanding where the culture is. How do we, how do we get some help? Here's here's one thing we all need to realize. There's no such thing as the perfect dream home with no problems. There's no such thing. You have real people with real challenges, with the real enemy, all living together. One of my favorite ways to explain this is, even in my own house, this is a pet peeve. I talk about it frequently because I'm still hoping at some level, just by sharing it, it'll relieve it from my soul or something will change in my house. I have three girls and, and I, I need to add on some bathrooms because they're in my bathroom all the time. It's prom weekend. They set up shop for three days in my bathroom. They curled the hair. Well, my hair doesn't curl. If the curls fell out. We got to recurl the hair. Get out! Get out! There's, I have uh, two sinks, one vanity, okay? I have a little area, okay? And the older I get, I just, I just want my little stuff like I want it, okay? I have a toothbrush. I have a toothbrush holder. I put my razor in it. I have a little bit of shaving cream. Don't need a lot of hair products, you know what I'm saying? I use the shaving cream for the face and the head, okay? I just get it all right there. I have just a few things, some, some toothpaste. I mean, just, just a little bit of stuff in a sink. And I just need a little section of mirror, And this is not preacher, let me make something up. This really happened this week. There is so much makeup. I'm like, you can only put so much on your face. They have luggage. (laughs) It's falling out. I'm like, how many eyeliners do we need? How much lipstick can you wear? How much? It's just falling out and it's all over on my side. And I did this three times this week. Seriously. <laughs> just move your stuff over. I need my area. And their powder gets on my toothbrush. I just, okay, whatever. And, and I know it's a humorous story. But I live in a house with kids at various ages, a wife I've been married to for over 20 years, and I always think about that when I have those makeup moments. There's gonna be tension. We're we're around each other, there's going to be. So we need to understand that. The question is not, do we have tension? And I know that's a funny one and some of you are in severe crisis, okay? But the question is, what do we do with that? How do we overcome it, okay? Number one, this is very important, you have to embrace God's pattern. And I I find so many people, they they don't know how to get to the dream house because they don't know the basics. They don't know the basic pattern of God. They haven't embraced really God's basic plan and God's basic desires. So you need to know this about me. I have a relational side, a spiritual side. I got a lot from my mom. My mom was an intercessor, a prayer warrior. My dad was a mechanical pencil pocket protector wearing engineer. I grew up with a drafting table in my house. So my dad, when he was going to build something or do something, his phrase was, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Okay? Just in the area of gas, just gasoline. My dad saved every gas receipt, I mean every gas receipt. He would just stack them up in his 1974 pickup, he'd push them there on the dashboard, they'd be in the glove box, then he'd take them all out. We had file cabinets, you know. My mom would be running out of gas and pray for Jesus to fill the tank. I thank you, Jesus, you're going to get us there. I know you will, we just, we will get there in Jesus' name. How many of you know it takes all types? And I had a home where I had two different personalities. But let me tell you what I learned about from my dad. If you start off with a bad plan, you're not going to be happy with the conclusion. And so many people just stumble into this vital relationship, and they're wondering why they have so many problems. No one ever laid out for you, this is how it works. This is how a husband, this is how a wife, this is how a mom, this is how God designed it you with God. Let's get that started. Talk about a good foundation. If God is the one who created you and you need to display the characteristics of God to your spouse, where are you with God? Where are you really at with God? Those are foundational and very critical. Here's God's plat pattern right here. I like to sum it up this way. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4, I want to show it to you. It says, by wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Notice what the Word of God saying. You need some wisdom. You need some understanding. You need some knowledge. Do you want to put yourself in a place where you can really receive that from God? And I like to sum up God's strategy and his covenant. God's pattern is only a covenant with God allows you to put... God before your spouse? Why is that important? People are so unhappy. Maybe there's a soulmate out there because they have this thought. There's a person, a perfect person that will meet all of my needs. No, there's a perfect God that will meet your needs so that you can begin to meet the needs of someone else. Only a covenant with God allows you to put God before your spouse, your spouse before yourself, and your promise that you made before all the options that are coming at you like a torrent. If you'll take that little statement, i put it in the notes, and you'll just think about that on a daily basis, it can bring healing to the tension in your home. Here's number two. Don't be a consumer. See, culturally, we're consumers. I'm going back to why this is more difficult today. We have such a consumer-oriented society. Do you ever drive around sometimes and wonder... How are we supporting this many restaurants? How are we supporting this many dry cleaners? How are we supporting this many pedicure places? Like, we're getting a lot of pedicures and we're eating a lot of hamburgers. They're everywhere in our community. Why? Because we're consumers. We're looking for the best product at the least price. I guess it's okay that we're consumers when it comes to hamburgers and pedicures, doesn't work in marriage you can't go into a marriage saying you know what I want the highest value from you with the least cost to me with the least amount of cost and change to me but I want the greatest return from you and what do we say as consumers if I don't get what I want if I don't get the product I want for the price I want what do we say I got options I've got options. I've got other ways that I can fulfill that desire. So we bring that consumer-oriented type mentality into the marriage relationship, and it doesn't work. And, and so the reason you need to get those first two right there, very important, they're foundational. They're so foundational. I have a person I've been ministering to that I really care about, and i and I've, he's come to church a couple of times, and I, I care about this relationship, and I want to see him win, and he did not he didn't have a lot of what I'm telling you and he told me last week he said I'm I'm getting a divorce I'm getting a divorce that's it it's really going to happen and I I don't give up easy so I'm trying to find a way well is it is it over is it at the end this weekend already I had a couple right there in separation I'm going to take them and try to talk and I'm not the only answer we have pastors here but I'm going to tell you you come here we're going to fight for your marriage we're going to fight for your marriage because this is a generational decision. And the first question I asked him when I said "They said, well, she's just, she's just, she's done. She won't this. I said, will she meet with me? Will she talk? Will you guys get together? Can we get together? So what happens is when there's tension, the hurt, the pain, the things, they just, they build up and you kind of get to a point where I, I just don't think it can work. I don't think it can happen. But here's a dangerous thing about these first two points that you need to hold on to and you need to share them with your friends. Because my first question to him was, who's she talking to? He said, well, she's got a few single friends that were married to jerks from their perspective. And they're partying together and they're telling her, dump the loser. Dump him. Get rid of it. Go find something that'll make you happy. And so guess what? The enemy wants to separate so he'll put a voice around your life that'll say, you know what? You deserve something better. You deserve something And so I want to encourage you with this. I understand that there are cases where there is abuse, where there's infidelity, where there's reasons, but I'm gonna tell you: nine times out of ten, there's a whole lot of consumerism and a lack of foundation. So you gotta hold on to those things in our lives. Here's some more kind of more basic number three: you gotta recognize the difference between personality and personal growth. I'm gonna get a little more practical, okay? Look when you get married, you marry this person different than you. And it's so amazing because we don't get a lot of help going in. And there's this dream house concept that this is so awesome and man, we're in love and the fires of power are flowing. And the very fire that attracted you is the very thing that makes you fight like cats and dogs. And you got to understand the difference in we all need to grow we need to grow in maturity. We need to grow in how we talk and how we say. And some of us are stuffers, so we need to grow in our ability to talk about what we're really feeling. We have a lot of areas to grow, but I find a lot of people have a lot of tension around this concept. And here's what it is. I'm trying to change you. I'll show you my wedding photo. We've, we've changed a little bit. <laughs> Look at that hair right there. Golly, I'm just coveting. I stood in line at a Christmas play that was so packed, it was outside the building, and I stood in line with this young girl. I was in college, and honestly, the whole thing just knocked me upside the head out of nowhere. I mean, I was, I was just, I, I, and we just, boom. I thought she was smoking hot, still do. I thought she was so beautiful, but I'm going to tell you what attracted me to her. She was taking a Christian ethics class, and in our conversation, she started talking to me about values, about building a home, about being a great parent, about being a great mom. I started listening to all that. I'm like, man, you messed me up, girl. You messed me up here. Getting married was not exactly my strategy my junior year in college. I mean, if you know, God will mess up your strategy, and so in that, I'm man, I'm deeply attracted to this person who is very, very belief centered. Right is right, wrong is wrong, no spectrums, black, white. I'm like, what about the other colors? They don't exist. They don't exist, and so I get married to this young lady. And one of our tensions was the very thing that attracted me to her, she started trying to use on me. And Jeff, that's not, you can't do it. Hold on just a minute now. Hold on me. So how many of you know the, the person you marry, what, what attracts you, then when that character thing, that personality starts to integrate with your life, here's what you begin to try to do. Change them. Look, we all need to grow. We can't excuse a lack of character for personality, but I don't know, some of y'all been married a little while. You better go ahead and accept the way God made that person, they're probably not gonna change a lot. Brandy and I used to have arguments early in marriage because in her house, when they had uh, uh, someone over, they planned it three weeks in advance. Who's bringing what, who's bringing what? I may invite 10 people on the way home from work what's up? Y'all want to come? Hey, awesome. Great. She's like, I have not prepared. <laughs> and so see differences, start to celebrate one another's differences and you'll have a little less tension along the way. Here's number four, slow down and communicate. I can't share this enough. I'm talking about culture today. I'm talking about our world today, all that information, all those options has also produced a real problem in marriages. And we have Christian counselors in our church. If you need help, you need to go to a Bible believing Christian counselor that's gonna share with you the Word of God. Okay? No offense to the counselors though, I can save you some money. When you get there, they're gonna spend a big amount of their time talking to you about your inability to communicate effectively talking to the one who explodes and blows up, talking to the one who stuffs and doesn't share, talking about how you're passing each other in the night. That's what they're going to tell you. So I just want to tell it to you now. If you want to have less tension in your home, guess what? You're going to have to change the way the culture lives a little bit and slow down. Brandy and I, even to this day, a great relationship, We have to, on purpose, intentionally, make time for us to process together. Because guess what happens? You're picking up this. You're picking up the false idea about that. You're picking up this issue. And along the way, and then what happens is, all right, slow down. You may have to do like we do. We take an intentional retreat together. We take time together. We take, our dates look different now that we have older children we have, and we have a different schedule. I don't know. I mean, you, you're smart people. You can figure this out. You figure out how to get to everything else you do. You can figure out how to prioritize, how to slow down because never forget this. Speed of life kills communication. Speed of life brings tension and our world is moving faster than it ever has before. Lots of options, lots of things going on. Slow down and communicate. Here's the last one, because I know I'm talking to some of you. You're in a crisis, and, and you probably are the one I had really on my heart. I think all of us can get help from this, but there's some of you here. The enemy is, is in there, and he's, he's pulling that wedge to separate you. You may still be living in that dream house, but you're just existing and paying bills and raising kids. You're not bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, unified. You're just getting by, you're not really getting along. And so what I would say to you is, I believe this, no matter what the situation is, you need to hold on to hope. You need to hold on to hope that God could do something. You really do. And I know I'm one of these. You're like, well, you're a pastor, and I mean, I'm gonna tell you, in life you have to have faith for things that you can't see. And here's here's something interesting. Think about Dream House. I, I I cannot stand HGTV. My wife loves it. Back to those differences. Like if I see another rent this house, buy that house, we won the lottery, we're buying too big a house. I mean, it's like, some of y'all aren't sharing my pain, you're obviously watching these things, that's why they keep having them. You know what's funny to me? Because we watch so many of those shows, fixer-uppers and do-it-yourselfers and fix this up and reflip that and do that, we in our generation may have more faith to fix up a dilapidated house than to believe God can repair a broken marriage. I I just thought about this, little pictures up here, look at this, just, just, you know, you can take that and turn it into that. Did you know what? I've seen God, there are people on our staff, there are people in this church, I've seen God take a marriage that was in more disrepair than that and turn it into a much beautiful home and house that can change generations. Here's why it's hard, I'll tell you why it's hard. Why it's hard is on a house, you're just stripping away siding and sheetrock and you're pulling stuff back, okay? The hard part is, I want you to hear this, if you're in a place where you're just, man, it's starting to really, or it's way apart. The hard part is when you strip back a marriage and a soul and a life, the exposed thing there is not just studs that need replacing. It's hurt. It's unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness it's, he'll never change. He'll never change. This can't work. And so you have to hold on to hope. You have to hold on to hope that God can change someone. And I want to encourage you, if you say, Jeff, I don't know if that can happen with my spouse. Well, don't worry about your spouse. Start with letting God strip away what's going on in your own house. Let him strip it away. Let him deal with what's going on behind the scenes, the hurts, the offenses, and let God do the work. I want to show you a quick video. I just love telling the stories because we have these all the time where God will come in to an environment filled with tension, filled with hurt, filled with pain, and he'll come and bring restoration. I want you to watch this story with me.
2: caving was drinking and then the drinking was taken out of control and then bad decisions came when drinking happened and I wound up in a an affair in a place that I never thought I would be ever I always thought it was about being tough and being strong and pushing through and you know, just having that gristle of a man, you know, attitude. I mean, it, it just got it, it got out of hand. It got out of hand, and I saw it happen, and I kept it all inside, and, you know, an affair happened. I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like, I wasn't the man that my wife married. Being successful and, and making money and taking care of the family and making sure we had the right house, making sure we had the right cars, all that was so important to me that spending long hours was what it was, you know, about.
0: I didn't understand why my husband was, you know, working all the time and then when he had an opportunity to come and be with our family, you know, we just had a baby and he's going out, uh, he's too stressed from work, he's gotta go have a drink. I never saw him. The twins are, you know, wondering where Daddy's at, and uh, you know, Daddy has to work late. And I felt bad because, like, Daddy was off of work, but he could have been here to tuck you in bed. I felt like if I didn't do something, nothing was going to change, and I couldn't just let my life move on like that and just accept what had happened and without any any kind of change in our lives. That's when I fought for divorce. I was like, it's not going to, nothing's going to change.
2: It, it burned down. It burned down everything I knew. I lost my wife, I lost my kids, I lost my everything. There was a point in Amber and I's life that a boss that she worked for had talked about Milestone. That's when I, that's when I came to Milestone. And that's when I met Pastor Tim prayed with him and his wife for the first time. I met a couple guys that were really good and they accepted me right away. I, I, and I didn't know who I was talking to and I didn't know what I was doing and I was scared. We talked a lot about God and what He wants for me and, and what He wants for my family and what He wants for my wife. And, and I just started opening the book and, 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 and reading the Word and understand trying to understand what He has for me. His love just came over me and the Lord saved my life. I was on my knees in the bedroom floor and I said, Lord, you're the only one that can save me. I need you more than I need anything in my life because I've lost everything. And I was able to accept all the wrong things that I had done because I had just dumped everything that I was holding on my shoulders on Christ. It was, hey man, I got you. I'm holding you right now. I'm holding your hand. You can start taking some steps if you just follow me and you just listen and you stay in my word, then I promise that I got you.
0: He started talking about you know how God was changing his life and that no matter whether we were together or not, he knew that he was going to live for God. You could see the passion, you could see that, that, new, that newness. I really started praying to God, it's like, if you can fix this, then please fix me you've changed Mike's heart, but get rid of this disdain that I have for my husband." And God started saying, I didn't want you to get divorced. And I started realizing that, you know, I took the steps that He wanted me to, but the plan wasn't where I thought it was going. Our faith is in God and we know that He can do anything. He can change our lives. He can renew our marriage. He can fix all the damage that's been done. He can put all those little pieces back together. We were back to normal, but not the normal of before. This new, awesome family that was strong and beautiful, not broken at all anymore.
2: Knowing that what I did on my own did not work when I present my struggles and my situations to Christ. I know that He's listening, and I know that He's walking with me in Him. My head is clear, and my life is clear. It's not fogged up. It's not dirty and dark. There's, there's light in areas that were dark and now they're, they're bright.
1: Awesome. I want to say thank you to Mike and Amber. I mean, I, as I watched that story, I thought what courage it takes be that open and transparent. And I know a lot of times we come in church and it's like I don't fit here. These people have it all together. And I'm so thankful for a couple that'd be willing to say, hey, here's our house stripped down with all the exposure and say, God can do amazing things. And so I hope it brings you hope and I'm thankful to them. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And... The most important decision you can make, as I said, is where are you at with God? Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And you say, Jeff, how do I have a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's really simple. It's you receive what he has available for you, his life. He paid a price that you couldn't pay. He rose from the dead. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Not church, not more religion. He wants to have a real relationship with you. So I'm going to ask you right where you are just to say, Jesus, here I am. I want you to come into my life, become my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. I give myself to you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you once again maybe to step out and let someone know or come to Discovery 101 today so that I can meet you. But second of all, Lord, I pray for marriages and I pray for homes and I pray for Houses that are on the outside look like a dream house, but on the inside there's lots and lots of tension. Will you bring peace in the midst of that in a powerful way? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.